This podcast has been edited for clarity and brevity. Enjoy. This is Vermont Edition. I'm Michaela Lafrac. The paper mill in downtown Putney has been in operation for more than 150 years. That long streak came to an end one week ago today. The New Jersey-based company that owns the mill announced it would shut down immediately. The Vermont Department of Labor reports 127 employees have been affected. Paper mills used to occupy a very important place in Vermont's economy, but rising costs of labor and energy have led most of them to shut down. The Putney Mill was able to survive longer than most. Today on the show, we're going to be discussing the mill's role in the region, and we want to hear from you. Do you live in or near Putney? How will the mill's closure impact you? Give us a call. Our number is 800-639-2211. You can also email us with your thoughts to vermontedition at vermontpublic.org. We're joined first today by Jeff Potter. He's the editor-in-chief of The Commons, a nonprofit news source in Wyndham County. He co-wrote a story recently with Fran Lingard Hansen the day after the mill's closure, covering the details of the shutdown and the many ups and downs of the mill's presence in Putney over the years. Jeff, welcome to Vermont Edition. Hey, Michaela. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, we're so glad to have you here, and thank you for your reporting. And I should also note before we dive in that we reached out to the company that owns the mill, Soundview Vermont Holdings, LLC, prior to today's show. They did not respond to our request for comment. So, Jeff, for folks who aren't familiar with the Putney Paper Mill, might not live in that part of Vermont, give us the basics of the mill. Where is it? How many people worked there? Um, and what were they producing? Well, as as you said in your uh, your lead in, uh, 127 people were working there uh, as of last week when they got the very much surprise announcement that the plant was not only closing, it was closing immediately. Um, the company has manufactured uh, paper products from, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, of the sort like tissue paper and toilet paper, toilet tissue um, from recycled paper and has for a, a number of decades. And uh, they, most recently under the Markel brand. And how did employees first hear about the closure? And how did you hear? Well, I heard we have a little bit of an inside uh, uh loop on it regrettably because our office manager and ad designer's husband was one of the 127 employees and uh, they reported that he got a phone call early in the morning and said don't come to work today we're closing Mm -hmm. the plant so the closure Um, was effective immediately stay home yeah yeah turn it off Hmm. so that uh that of course set us uh on a Tuesday that was markedly different from the Tuesday that we expected to be experiencing last week. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been a challenge to get a good handle on what has been happening. And I hope I'm, I hope I'm equal to the, to, you know, to what you've promised uh, your listeners <laughs> here, because uh, when you said that, uh, that Soundview did not respond to your request for, uh, to participate, uh, I have to say that you're not alone. 
um, they they really have not been forthcoming in opening a line of communications, at least to the local press, mm. about what's going on there. Although I do have to say uh, that that uh, as of late yesterday afternoon, their marketing and uh, PR management firm did actually accept a list of questions from me. So, um, you know, that after you know that was that was the, my third attempt to get some in, or any information um, from them about what has been going on. It's mm. not been easy. Mm. And, and later uh, in the show, I'll just jump in here to note that we will be talking to Vermont's Labor Commissioner, Michael Harrington, whose office uh, has been in touch with Soundview. So we should be able to get a bit more of an update on what those conversations have been like. Uh, but from what, what you have been able to to suss out, Jeff, why why did it close? Why did the plant close? Well, it's it, the the one reason that was listed in their news release that went out last Tuesday was uh, energy costs, and that's not insignificant. Um, and that's late. That was later. Um, you know, that's been corroborated secondhand by somebody who has been in touch with uh, directly with the company. Um, you know, the the uh, the company has been been fueled with, uh, I believe, with fuel oil. Uh, and they've been hit with uh, with with uh, what they claim are costs that make it impossible to continue. Uh, I have a number of questions about that uh, in terms of at what point do you real you know, at what point do you make that decision and at what point to you know is at what point is there no turning back? It seems mm-hmm. like a it seems like there's it's not that I'm not trusting that that's the reason, but it's. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not entirely satisfied with, with just that as the, the explanation. Hmm. Well, listeners, if you worked at the Putney paper mill or have a family member who did and might might have thoughts on this conversation about its closure, give us a call. Our number is eight hundred six three nine two two one one. We received an email ahead of today's show from Robert, who writes, I was working at the plant in converting. I was there for almost two years. I have sad feelings about the closure, but I'm not upset at all. I feel it was a good company and was more than fair with the terms of the layoffs. Now let's go now to the phones. We have a call from John in Brattleboro with some thoughts as well. John, you're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, hi. Um, thank you very much. I'm about 100 yards from my street, so I will stop driving and talking in a moment. <laughs> I, 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 I sympathize with everybody in Putney and the people getting laid off. And, and all I can offer is when one door closes, another will open. But mm-hmm. for the residents of Putney who do tend to have a reputation, as a lot of Vermonters do, as being very environmentally conscious and green, I fail to understand why the the loss of Putney paper would do damage to anyone. It's, so far as I'm concerned, it's a victory. One only needs think of the chlorine gas um, incident they had in downtown Putney about six, eight years ago. It's not the first time that has happened. And... John, I'm going to I'm going to jump in here because I'm hoping that uh, our our guest, Jeff Potter, might be able to talk through some of those um, environmental concerns that you're hitting on that um, have surrounded not not just Putney, but um, but other paper mills that used to be very common in our region. I would have to say that, uh, you know, that on on a on a certain level, that's you know, that that's absolutely correct. 
any mill that it, all these mills sprouted up on the banks of rivers uh, in the Industrial Revolution. And guess what? You know, today we would never get uh, put a manufacturing operation, and we're close to 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 water um, in that in that way. Um, so there's 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 obviously a tension there, and if you go through um, the if you go through newspaper archives and look at the big picture of this mill and its and its history, um, man, you know this is a dirty, complicated manufacturing process that is smack dab in the heart of a picturesque village. Um, I was just I the other day I found a uh, you know there was a photograph of a of a of a, in the archives of the Brattleboro Reformer from the, I believe the eighties of a woman holding what used to be a white poodle that was, uh, who was just covered from head to toe in black soot. <laughs> so pollution and environment, um, has been, um, you know, there, there, are, you know, there, the, especially the eighties and nineties, there are histories of back and forth with, with the, all sorts of, all sorts of environmental concerns with the uh, the paper making process. Uh, any sort of industrial enterprise is going to have um, is going to have this tension. Mm. At the same time, it would be remiss of me to to not factor in the fact that 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 they've been uh, you know they've been making products from recycled paper and have a their entire manufacturing process is de-inking paper and turning it into into pulp that can be reused for uh you know for table napkins and such mm. so there uh you know there's i'm not saying that i'm not, I'm not making a judgment um uh, i'm not quantifying this either way but but that's that's something that uh uh that that's at least an irony if not a a mitigating factor. Well, that's that's a perfect place to to introduce one more voice into the conversation. Actually, Mike Costco is with us now. He's the owner of the Putney General Store, which is right across the street from the paper mill. And Mike, welcome. You 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 actually used to walk the boxes that all the the stuff you stole and sold in the store would come in right over to the mill for recycling. Is that right? Right. That was. You know, for all the negatives you might think of uh, for industry right then center of a village, that was a real feel-good story that we could, everything comes in in cardboard boxes and all the paper and cardboard we make, there are two big bins with wheels and it's just a constant flow going directly into the recycling process. Uh, You know, it's kind of nice. And Mike, you would get a lot of business from the mill employees, yes? Oh, certainly. So... They're directly next door, and we're open 12 hours a day. So at 7 a.m. when we open, they'd come in for coffee and breakfast sandwiches. And, uh, you know, with our 12 hours, we're breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I believe the plant was running 24 hours a day for at least most of the time. So, yeah, I was surprised to hear that there were 130 people or so that were working there. But we probably saw couple of dozen very very regularly very you know we get to know these people and what kind of effect will that loss of business have on the general store well yeah directly to that issue is all of that business you figure you know even if they were just coming in for a drink or a you know a four dollar sandwich or something all that adds up and you know it's going to be it's definitely going to be a hit but we'll uh we'll adjust and soldier on. 
Well, uh, as you know, I'm sure a lot of the these folks who have um, very abruptly lost their jobs will be now looking for other types of employment uh, in Putney or in the region. As a business owner yourself, what's your sense of um, the employment landscape there in, in Putney in the broader area? Well, there's not a whole lot of, I mean, there's certainly not much industry. That that was the biggest employer, and everybody else are pretty small businesses. So, and coming from a mill job, uh, I don't I don't see a whole lot of opportunity for them to just transfer. There is Landmark College, and they probably have some jobs that might be open. And I think the town manager told me that there might be a couple of town jobs, but you know that's not going to go far to a population of 120 or 130. Mm. And since the the closure a week ago, what what other kinds of conversations have you been having with either other business owners or town leaders in Putney, or just with your customers about the news? Well, it's interesting. I don't know if you're aware, we're about a year into a process that was started by this organization, Vermont Council for Rural Development. So we stood up three task forces in town a year ago, and one of them is about revitalizing downtown. So there's already dozens of people working on this task force trying to, you know, get more businesses in, find maybe places for people to live. There's a housing task force. So it might be you know, the, the mill itself was a fact of life that everybody's come to deal with. And, you know, whatever negatives there were, there was no chance that it's just going to disappear <laughs> until last week. Mm-hmm. So now it's, you know, it opens up some opportunities for some, you know, some new futures. That Who knows what we could repurpose the building in. There's probably some cleanup that needs to be done. There's money that's going to have to be spent to, you know, clean it out. So we're, it's very early in the process, but it, it could really help redefine Putney, maybe in, in the image that everybody would like. Hmm. Well, Mike Costco, the owner of the Putney General Store, thanks so much for calling in. Uh, yeah, no problem. Thanks. The mill is a fact of life. Uh, Jeff Potter with the Commons, the nonprofit news source in Wyndham County. Um, curious what your your thoughts are on that um, that that framing of the mill, a, a fact of life for Putney. Well, it's it's had its ups and downs throughout. As you know, as we're you know looking last week to try to figure this out and see what the the bigger historical picture is, there have just been booming bus cycles throughout its whole history, uh, and uh, you have a, a I think in. 1985, in fact, one year after uh, its longtime local owners uh, sold uh, sold out and uh, retired, uh, the the mill shut down. They were uh, for six days. Everybody in Putney thought that it was going to, you know, this was the same situation. And and uh, then uh, with fewer employees and a pay cut, uh, they negotiated the uh, starting it back up again. So. It's been, um, you know, its obituary has been written before. So uh, it's not to say that I think that's going to happen again, uh, because the uh, it is an old mill. There, uh, there's really no place for it to expand. I've t- I'm told uh, I could be wrong about that, um, but it's um, it, it's you know there there's uh, somebody somebody told me yesterday. There are really new modern industrial spaces that 
that people already can't um, can't seem to find tenants for, and the the thought that somebody's going to come in to this to this um, hundred and fifty year old building that's built on the rubble of previous buildings, uh, and a, and just uh, apparently just this this uh, this uh, very unusual structure uh, would be challenging. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if that answered any of your questions. I'm I'm sorry that kind of got away from me. No, I, th I think there there's with this situation a lot more questions than the answers right now, particularly around what happens to that physical yeah. space um, in terms yeah. of cleanup, in terms of finding a new um, renter or buyer. Uh, lots of questions ahead. Now, the first question on many people's minds when they heard about the mill's closure was, what happens to all those workers who very suddenly lost their jobs? Joining now to discuss is Michael Harrington, Vermont's Labor Commissioner. Welcome to the show. Hi, Michaela. Uh, thanks for allowing me to join today. Yeah, thanks for making the time. Now, Soundview Vermont Holdings, the mill's owner, notified the Department of Labor of the closure, I believe on the, the same day that it announced that news to workers. Is that right? And did they have any obligation to notify your department or the employees sooner than that? So you are correct. Uh, they notified the department and other state agencies on January 16th, which I believe was the same day um, it was made public and uh, that the employees uh, received notice as well. Um, under Vermont's law and under the what's known as the Federal uh, WARN Act um, and uh, Vermont's Notice of Potential Layoff Act, there is a notice period. Um, so the first expectation is that a company provide prior notice, both to the employees, but also to the state and local municipal officials. However, there are ways to um, uh, work within that uh, framework uh, if they don't want to have the employees continue to work on site. And so one of the remedies for not providing prior notice and allowing the workers to work on site is to simply provide um, notice on their last day, but pay them uh, for uh, the additional days of the notice period. So, so sorry, just to jump in there, I just want to make sure I understand that. So you're saying that a, an employer, a big employer uh, like the mill, technically needs to provide a warning period. I believe it's 60 days of a mass layoff or a closure, but they can kind of offset that violation if they um, if they provide severance pay. Uh, no, well, so in this case, I'll use this as a prime example, and it's not, a, it, we call it a remedy, but it's not a violation. So okay. they, they have to provide up to 45 days of pay if they're not going to provide that prior notice. So um, think of it the same way somebody uh, offers their resignation and they could either work for two weeks or um, provide um uh, you know, prior notice of that, uh, or the, if the employer were to lay somebody off, they could uh, provide pay in lieu of notice, so without that prior notice. So in this case, the employer um, told individuals on their last day of work that this would be their last day of work, but the employer is paying uh, the employees for an additional 60 days worth of pay and benefits. So they did 
essentially provide that prior notice. It's just they're not having them report to the work site. And Jeff, I, I know that you, as you mentioned earlier in the show, um, you have a colleague whose partner was working at the mill. I know you've had a lot of conversations about the mill in the last week or so since your story about the closure came out. Um, have you talked to anybody about um, about these questions around severance, you know, what they've what they their communications with their employer have been like, if if they feel confident they'll be receiving those payments. My uh, uh, my interactions is, have been that um, they, they it's everything seems to be above board and satisfactory um, as for, you know, with regard to the severance. So uh, and in fact, uh, my uh, my colleague's husband uh, had, you know, was going on that same day to the plant where where they were they were beginning to have those conversations. Uh, and uh, I, I know, you know, from having interviewed uh, one of the commissioner's colleagues uh, that, uh, you know, that we as we re- reported that they were on site and working with employees that very day. So uh, that's that's all good. Um, and um, I, I don't I don't see anything to to, uh, you know, untoward there. I think that that, you know, in you know, as 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 a situation like this goes, uh, I think I think uh, I think they've been you know, my um, you know my impression is that they've been they've been treated very squarely by the uh, by the company. Mm. And Labor Commissioner Michael Harrington, what what role does your office have in helping these workers who have been recently laid off uh, find new employment? And how how is the the labor market looking? in that region? Uh, Well, Michaela, to dovetail off of what was just said, you know, one of the key aspects for us in order to provide support to these affected workers is to have an open line of uh, communication and engagement with the separating employer. And that doesn't always happen. So I will uh, certainly give credit to uh, Soundview because they have been very uh, communicative with uh, the Department of Labor and engaging with us. They provided us um, all the contact information we needed for the affected workers. They're having us on site. Um, so typically uh, under um, both uh out of our office, but also funded through the federal government, we provide what's known as rapid response services. So when there is a mass layoff, um, we can come in with both uh, workforce development, retraining, and reemployment services, but we also dovetail that with information out of our unemployment insurance division on how affected workers can access benefits. Uh, and we also include like local partners and other state services like Vermont Health Connect, or in this case, we engaged with the Brattleboro Development Credit Corporation. So we're on site providing these presentations in real time to the affected workers. And then we will work sometimes if the company is willing, and in this case they are, work with the company to line up uh, other hiring events and job fairs. So we actually have a number of local and regional employers that have already engaged with us saying um, they're interested in this talent. They they want these individuals to come work for them. So uh, we are working with Soundview and others to set up job fairs both right at the at the mill uh, and offsite so that uh, affected workers can come and uh, interview and see what other jobs may be available for them uh, in the region. Mm. 
Well, we've received a number of emails during today's show from listeners with thoughts about the Putney Paper Mills closures, including closure, including one from a listener named Heather who writes, is anyone able to answer the question being asked about why businesses continue to leave? The resulting impact is that small towns suffer economic disadvantage as a loss of gainfully employed residents and in tax contributions. Has Vermont crossed the line where creating jobs and maintaining a workspace is far too expensive to operate? Has Act 250 gone too far? Uh, now, Commissioner Harrington, I don't want us to you know, go too deep into to Act 250, Vermont's land use law. That's a topic we've covered a lot on Vermont Edition and will continue to cover, particularly this legislative session. Um, but I'm wondering if you might be able to address Heather's broader concern about why businesses keep leaving. Yeah, again, uh, there's always churn. So we always see new businesses come in and other businesses choose to leave. I don't want to just um, focus on one side, which is businesses leaving, because mm-hmm. we actually are also seeing record number of business creations in our unemployment insurance division. So every time a new business is created with employees, they open uh, a new account with us. So there is a lot of just churn uh, in the system. But I think Heather touched on two pieces, which is um, the two critical pieces to a thriving economy for us here in Vermont is affordability and also talent. And so I think what you'll hear uh, and what we've continued to hear from the governor and um, from the administration, I think, is right on target, which is how do we make it affordable for businesses um, to operate in Vermont, but also how do we grow Vermont's workforce? And that all comes down to affordability, things like housing um, and whether it's affordable to live, work, play uh, in Vermont. And so, again, I think when we focus on things like how do we make Vermont more affordable, both for uh, our residents and our employers, and also how do we focus on housing? Because if uh, the talent doesn't have a place to live, um, they're not going to come here or relocate here. And that is, again, probably one of the top three issues we hear from employers, which is finding talent um, for uh, either business sustainability or business growth. Mm. Well, let's talk a bit more about talent for a moment here. Um, I, I'm, you know, the the a lot of the workers at the Putney Paper Mill have been there for many many years um, and have a particular skill set. Um, now, with the deindustrialization that we've been seeing, not just in this region, but across the country, it's unlikely that most of these folks will go work at another paper mill. Uh, there's not another one right nearby down the road. Um, We received an email from a listener named Anne who writes, these employees are used to hard work, tough hours, and commitment. Let's get an education plan together to offer, say, free nursing education or healthcare support job training and turn that mill into a healthcare facility. Uh, And Anne's question had me thinking, Commissioner, about about the type of – uh, job training that folks might need who have been working at a paper mill for a long time and might be looking to transition into a new industry. What What are your thoughts or, or your department's role in, in that? Well, I don't want to presume that everybody that's infected, uh, affected at this paper mill wants to then go into healthcare, but I think Anne sure. brings up a great point, which is uh, how do we make sure that if individuals want to stay in manufacturing uh, or production of some kind, they can do that? 
But if they want to try something new, if they want to identify a different career path, we're there right alongside them to support them. So there are a number of ways that our office, uh, our offices around the state, and there's one uh, in Brattleboro, there's also one in Springfield um, for these individuals can work alongside them to help them identify what a different um, job path or career path or occupation may be. Um, what are the requisites for uh, having a, a career in that area. So is there a certification, a licensure, um, or accreditation that has to happen? Uh, what credentials do you have to have? And then we help, again, align that individual with the necessary um, uh, training and education that has to go along with obtaining whatever that credential is. And again, it could be in healthcare and nursing, um, or it could be uh, in another field altogether. Uh, and again, what we will typically do is try to either identify um, an educational uh, uh, system or a partner to align them with to get them the training, or we will work in finding them an employer that can help sponsor them and maybe a registered apprenticeship program or some type of work-based learning where they're doing on-the-job training. So again, there's a lot of different options. And I, I would definitely say, by the way, that this is continues to be an extremely strong job market for people looking for work. So um, the one silver lining I think here is that these individuals, there are jobs out there, uh, which would be very different than um, you know maybe 15 years ago uh, when we talk about the uh, Great Recession, um, that where it's really hard to find jobs, there are jobs out there, there are different career paths out there, and there are more supports now than ever to help um, these individuals link up with, with employers. Mm. Well, Vermont's Labor Commissioner, Michael Harrington, thank you so much for, for talking us through these issues. We, we appreciate all that, you're, all that you're doing. Take care. Thank you for having me. And again, I would just say that if you're impacted by this, please reach out to the department, or if you're an employer looking for talent, reach out to the department and we can help uh, link up both the affected workers with employers. Thank All you. Right. Well, thank you. Uh, we're still on the line with Jeff Potter, the editor-in-chief of The Commons, a new source in Wyndham County. And Jeff, before we wrap this up, I, I want to return uh, to one topic here, which is the environmental impact of the plant. Uh, we've gotten a couple emails on this topic, including one from Courtney, who's a resident of Putney, who says the paper mill was her first job as an adult working in the converting plant. What I want to say, Courtney writes, is that their health and safety history, as well as environmental impact, are both awful, and the town will be better without them, even if it will be a big blow to the town for now. We also received a email from Jeff who writes, what environmental impacts are going to be left for the town to deal with after the closure? And uh, Jeff, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, ahead of today's show, I spoke with Putney's town manager, Karen Astley, who said that, uh, quote, the town cannot afford to clean that site up, and I wouldn't put that on the taxpayers either. It's a big question for her about um, what what will happen to the that land, um, which might have been contaminated by, you know, years of um, of work that the, the mill has been doing there. Jeff, I'm curious if, if you have any any thoughts on this, on kind of what comes next for um, for the, the physical plant and the land that it's that it's on. Ooh, so many questions there that I, that that uh, we just can't answer yet. And, uh, you know, and I think that that those are all you know, they're all very valid questions. 
One thing I do want to emphasize, and we see this a lot with vacant buildings that come up that are high profile, uh, is you get a lot of chatter uh, on Facebook and social media about we should do this with this and we should do that with that. Uh, these aren't our properties to do anything with. Mm. So, so a lot of that energy is uh, well-intentioned, but, um, but useless until we get answers and until there's a good, you know, the, until there's a harmonious working relationship with, uh, with an owner that wants to transition out of stewardship of that property. Um, and I think that having, I think the town is in excellent condition, having um, the, uh, you know, the, the, um, that pro the, the, um, you know, the planning project that, that Mike from the Putney General Store mentioned in, on his phone call. Um, a lot of people are thinking about these things long term, and uh, and it would be it would be just fantastic to have uh, Soundview as a real stakeholder in in um, you know in leaving this uh, this this chapter of their history with some dignity and integrity, and with an eye to the future uh, of uh, of uh, of Putney and Wyndham County. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for this conversation today. Though if you live in Putney or the area or you've been listening today and, and you have some thoughts to share, you can still email us at vermontedition at vermontpublic.org. And Jeff Potter, editor-in-chief of The Commons News Source, I'm sure you'll be returning to this topic as well over there. Jeff, thank you so much oh, for yeah. your time today. Oh, you're very welcome. And and if I could just put one last thing in, if anybody has information that they'd like to share with us, um, we would we would we would love to hear from you uh, at the newspaper too. So best way so, to get uh, in touch, uh, editor at commonsnews.org or uh, tips at commonsnews.org, uh, which is on our website commonsnews.org. All right, that's Jeff Potter with the Commons.